0: So speaking of extraordinary faith, um, I want to ask a question of all of you, and I actually want to ask it and have you turn into pairs or maybe groups of threes and fours, depending on what makes sense to you with your seating arrangement. So I want to start off by asking you, um, when have you seen someone demonstrate extraordinary faith? Share an example or two in in your groups. When have you seen someone demonstrate extraordinary faith? Who was it? What were the circumstances? Go ahead and take a few minutes, turn to the person next to you or the group next to you and share. All right, I'm gonna bring us back together. Sorry if not everyone got a chance to share. Um, (laughs) I brought this up here because um, you know it's 2020 when you go to grab your water bottle and then you realize it's actually a giant bottle of hand sanitizer. (laughs) So I'm going to just set this up here. Um, OK, so I thought maybe I would ask a couple of you to share with the larger group, if anyone is willing to share what your answer was to my question. So um, if you are willing to share, if you could raise your hand. We've got a couple of mics down here. Um, what I said, someone in my life that I've seen um, exercise and show a lot of faith is my brother. Um, he, the past like two or two and a half years, he's really suffered with chronic pain, um, and that brought a lot of anxiety and depression in his life. Um, He was really, really struggling. Um, And through the faith that he had in Christ to deliver him from any fears or doubts about his future um, and wrestle with anxiety and depression was so faithful. Um, It really encourages me uh, to see how much he's willing to see past his circumstance and glorify God. Thanks for sharing that. All right, we have someone back here. Hey, it's it's Dan. Hey, Dan. It's kind of hard to see you with the like hat and glasses and mask. Yeah. So uh, this is kind of a funny example, but when I was a kid, I was uh, my grandpa was just like this. But I was like helping my grandpa mow the grass or fix the lawnmower, and he couldn't get the lawnmower started. And I remember he stopped, and he and he, he says, Daniel, let's pray. Now, Lord, we need this lawnmower fixed. We and it just. And he went He went on to pray for the lawnmower and the grass to be, you know, and I remember thinking, that's so silly, Grandpa, like, God doesn't care about our grass, but in, now when I look back on it, I think that's just a lot of faith to trust God for, like, the, the little details of your life, and that, and he does that all the time. He prays for, like, all the details of his life, and I look back, and I think that's such great faith. That's awesome. I love that so much. All right. Maybe one more person I want to share? Oh, okay, in? Hey, um, yeah, so I was, I thought about my parents. Um, back when I was pretty young, my dad was a pastor. Um, and so starting out, like, obviously, we, you know, we're in ministry. We don't make a lot of money or whatever. Um, and so when I was really little, like, there were times when we didn't have groceries in the fridge or in the pantry. um. And whenever that would happen, my parents would always sit down and pray. And somehow, like, of course, the Lord would always provide for us without them, like, asking anybody. Like, people would just, sometimes people in the church would just come up and, like, knock on our door and be like, hi, we brought you groceries. And we were like, oh, my gosh, you're such a blessing, you know. And so that was really sweet to see. Wow. So cool. Well, thanks, everybody. I feel like I could hear those stories all day. So cool. Um, something that I've noticed when I've asked this question, and I think um, we get to say it's true today, maybe you notice it as well, is that many times we recognize extraordinary faith when people are experiencing trials and suffering. Charles Spurgeon said, to trust God in the light is nothing, but trust him in the dark, that is faith. Um, I have many people in my life I admire for how they've walked through trials and faith, and even when I think about my own life, uh, the periods that I remember the, the most growth um, in my faith were some of the most challenging of my life. And the reality is that we live in a broken world where suffering exists in many forms. We're hurt from sin, um, our own sin, and from other sin. We face trials like depression, loss of loved ones, loneliness, disappointment from unmet expectations, We've been overwhelmed recently, uh, mostly in our country, by a lot of gun violence, racism, uh, a global pandemic. We've probably each faced conflict with others, even other Christians and maybe especially other Christians uh, about how to handle a lot of these things and conflict is really painful. So what are we supposed to do with this? What does faith even look like in the dark times that all of us are inevitably going to face? Aren't Christians supposed to have it all together, to be happy and joyful and unafraid? What does that even look like in this broken world uh, with everything I just listed and so much more being our realities? Uh, So show of hands, uh, did anyone grow up going to vacation Bible school? Wow, yeah, okay, down here we've got a lot. (laughs) All right, so I grew up going to vacation Bible school at uh, my church and have so many good memories of it like, so many. I still remember some of the songs, some of the hand motions, some of the verses I learned, and uh, Virginia, my now four-year-old, got to go for the first time uh, last year, um, last summer at Crosslink, and uh, she was three, and when you're three, you don't really, like, remember a whole lot, but she was literally just talking about her vacation Bible school experience, like, a couple days ago, and telling me about the different kinds of treats that they were serving, and so clearly she had actually like retained these memories from Vacation Bible School. So really, really cool stuff. She came back with a um, CD of the soundtrack for BBS. and so that's what we've been listening to for almost a year and a half. So thank you, Crosslink, for that. Um, and I, I mostly love it, but there is one song that uh, keeps getting looped over and over again, because um, she won't let me skip it. Um, that has a lyric that I don't really love. And here's how it goes. It says, when I'm worried, when I feel in doubt, that's when God comes through, turns it all around. He gives me joy in every situation. And here's what I struggle with. Keeps my spirits high in every situation. Every time I hear it, I just think, what? Keeps my spirits high in every situation? (laughs) Like, is this what faith is supposed to look like? Is this what what true faith is supposed to manifest itself like in my life? Am I supposed to have high spirits all the time, even when I'm going through so many of these things that life brings? Um, This morning, we're going to look at a psalm, and I'm willing to bet that the author would also disagree with my daughter's BBS song lyrics. Um, This is a a psalm of lament, which means that it's a psalm expressing deep sorrow, grief, or regret. This one is written by a man named Haman, and we learn a little bit about his experience of life through this psalm. Um, this psalm is actually often known as the most depressing psalm in the Bible, so um, buckle up. <laughs> We're going to continue a short series this morning and tonight from what Tim Henderson started last night, and um, my hope is that we can see in this passage that Jesus is hidden but present and what it means for how we can relate to him as his followers. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalm 88. And I'm gonna read it for us out loud. All right, Psalm 88. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you, incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me, You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave? Or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness? or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you, Father God, I lift up this time to you. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this passage of scripture that we can study together this morning. God, I pray that through this study, through this talk, that we can see more of your character and that we can indeed see Jesus um, and find our hope and our faith in him. God, uh, I pray um, just against my nervousness and that um, anything that I say that is contrary to the truth of your word would quickly be forgotten. God, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, one more time, I want you guys to turn back to your pairs or your groups, um, and really briefly, just look at this passage. Um, if you uh, have your Bible or if you someone in your group has it open, Um I just want you to look through the passage again and find some of the things that Haman, the author, is experiencing. Just kind of point it out. What does the text say that he's experiencing? Go ahead and look at that together for a minute. So, some of the things that uh, you may have seen um, he says, For my soul is full of troubles, Uh, he is counted among those who go down to the pit. He is experiencing his companions shunning him. He is shut in, calling out to the Lord. He's afflicted and close to death. And again at the end, he has caused, uh, it says, you have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. So whatever the exact circumstances surrounding the psalm are, the author is clearly in a dark, dark place. Um, You may have expected to see relief at the end. If you've um, read many psalms before, um, you might have actually been like anticipating a turn, a turn to praising the Lord for his goodness and his kindness, or um, just some element expressing joy. Um, But uh, this author doesn't turn to God's faithfulness or his joy in the Lord. Um, In fact, this writing seems to get darker and darker um, until it just ends. So um, there are three themes that I want to focus on from this psalm, three things that I want us to take away from this. The first is that we can talk to God in our pain. The second is that we can trust God in our pain. And the third is that we can let Jesus take our pain or remember that he has taken our pain. So we'll start by looking at the first, we can talk to God in our pain. So why can we do this? Why can we talk to God? This might sound obvious, but he can handle it. He can handle it when we come to him in our pain. And he even desires us to come to him. He created us to know him and to be in a relationship. Interestingly, um, the Psalms of Lament make up about a third of the entire book of Psalms. So why would he include so much lament in scripture if he didn't want to leave us with a reminder that he can handle it and wants us to draw near. He also created us as finite beings. We don't have to be ashamed for not having it all together. He is glorified in our weakness. Uh, Sometimes something that I've seen is that we as sinful humans don't want to engage in our own pain or in the pain of others. I think it's easy to assume that if we don't, if we're not willing to engage even in our own pain and in the pain of others, that why would the God of the universe want to engage with us in our pain? So last year, um, if you've been around with crew for a while, you'll um, resonate with this. Last year, my family and this community lost someone really, really dear to us. Um, if you've been around, you'll remember Eli. Um, he passed away just about a year ago. It was actually just before last year's fall retreat, so I've had a lot of memories of him kind of coming up <laughs> this last couple weeks. Um, yeah, he was, he was a dear friend over at our house every week, a, cr- a crucial member of this community, just known and loved by everyone. Um, <laughs> and so, um, of course, the week and two weeks and even longer um, after his passing, brought um, just so much grief and suffering for our family and for this community. And there was one day, I think it was even less than two weeks after his passing, um, I got a call from a friend, a good friend, um, long, long time friend. And um, she was so kind. She wanted to reach out to me and see how I was doing because she knew what happened. And, so we're on the phone, and she said something like, Catherine, how are you doing? Uh, are you doing better? Um, is, is everything back to normal now? And in the moment, I, I just remember wanting to say, no, no, it's, it's not okay. I'm not okay. I'm still grieving. And I wanted to just like pour out <laughs> what I was still feeling. Um, I was not back to normal. Um, And I wouldn't say that I was back to normal for a little while. Um, But instead, how did I answer her? I I just said something like, yeah, you know, things are are getting back to normal. I'm doing better. Um, And yeah, that obviously just really stuck with me. Um, One of the most amazing things about God is that Jesus actually entered our broken world and has experienced its sin and brokenness. He didn't try to avoid our pain and avoid, avoid getting involved. He didn't want to just hear, you know, what he wanted to hear. <laughs> he doesn't want me to just tell him what something that sounds nice. Um, not only did Jesus enter in, but because of this, he personally experienced tiredness, hunger and thirst, physical weakness and pain. Scripture says he was deeply moved in his spirit, and greatly troubled. He wept. He understands and wants to comfort us. When we go to him, he he doesn't just want a quick, nice answer. He wants to know how we're doing, and he cares. We can talk to God in our pain. The second point is that we can trust God in our pain. So in this psalm, we don't see a lot of explicit trust by the author in this psalm but we do see a lot of implicit examples of trust and faith. The first is, Oh Lord, God of my salvation. He's still trusting God, that he is the God of his salvation. He says, Incline your ear. He expects God to listen. He said, You have put me in the depths of the pit. He also uses words like caused and cast. Um, Clearly he has a trust in God's hand orchestrating all of these things. And he says, Every day I call upon you, O Lord. So we're reminded here by the author's trust and his faith that God is sovereign. We also know from Scripture that God is love. 1 John 4, 7, and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love God does not does not love does not know God, because God is love. So, what does it mean to trust a God who is both loving and sovereign? Um, author and speaker Nancy Lee DeMoss put it this way: The truth is that we can trust a wise, loving, sovereign God to control every circumstance of our lives. Joy, peace instability come from believing that every circumstance that touches our lives has first been filtered through his fingers of love and is part of a great eternal plan that he is working out in this world and in our lives. I love that picture so much. I love the image of everything that happens to me in this life, everything that happens to you, everything that happens in this world, first comes filtered through his hands who they're loving, they're sovereign. Jesus experienced pain. He experienced what we've experienced. So he knows, and yet everything that happens is is filtered through that, um, working together for a great eternal plan for us and for the world. The third thing is that we can let Jesus take our pain. So let's look back on the psalm. Um, the author states that God is the God of his salvation. And if you look closely, some of the statements that he makes, some of the statements that we kind of looked through at the beginning, don't exactly seem to line up with someone whose God is the God of salvation. He says, I am counted among those who go down to the pit, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit. Your wrath lies heavy on me. Why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Does that sound like he's calling out to the God of his salvation? We might feel at times like a lot of these things are true of us. Um, But there is one who actually has faced each one of these things that the psalmist is writing about. And he faced a punishment that he didn't deserve. We're going to turn to a passage that shares about Jesus. I'm going to look at Luke 22, 41 through 46. If you want, you can turn with me there, or you can just listen. It says, And he, Jesus, withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. And one more passage we'll look at is Galatians 3.13. And it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who on a tree, who is hanged on a tree. So Jesus is the one who experienced the ultimate version of everything spoken in this psalm so that we wouldn't have to. Tim Keller would say that Jesus is the singer of this psalm. Jesus is the one who bore the full weight of God's wrath that we deserved because of our sin. In this, we can find our joy. Even as we are in the midst of our greatest suffering on earth, we can find joy knowing that Jesus died in our place. He rose from the dead, He defeated sin and death. He defeated, yeah, He defeated sin and death. Anxiety, depression, Abuse, racism, COVID, they do not have the last word. Suffering does not have the last word for those of us who are in Christ. The book of Revelation says that one day God will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. The sobering reality in the midst of this, though, is that not all have chosen to put their faith in Christ. For those who haven't, the weight of their sin still lies on them, and they are not able to experience joy and eternal life with Jesus, but rather eternal separation from God. But of course, the good news is that everyone who turns to Christ in faith will have their sins forgiven in one day they too will be free from all sin and suffering. So there are a few things that I want to leave you with this morning. The first is that if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, what's stopping you from taking that next step to learn more about who he is? Regardless of your past and present circumstances, regardless of your sin, he is willing and ready to accept anyone who turns to him in faith. Secondly, I want you to think about your response to dark and trying times. Do you, in faith, engage with God, whatever it is you're feeling? Or do you feel like you need to wait until you've neatly packaged your emotions before going to Him? What is your go-to coping mechanism when you're struggling? Do you go to Netflix? Are you like me and you call your mom? Um, Do you spend time on your phone, social media? God wants us to engage with Him. Even though these things or these other things aren't necessarily bad, um, do we act as though these things are going to heal us and give us the rest that we desire? God is the balm we need for our hurting souls, so I encourage you to bring your troubles straight to Him. And finally, how do we treat others when they are the ones going through trials, when they're the ones battling with their sin? Do you, like my friend, encourage them to look on the bright side? Do you avoid all discomfort to yourself at all costs? My pastor once said that love enters into the hard places. This was true of Jesus when he humbled himself and came to this broken world, and it should be true of us in each other's lives. So let me just challenge you, let me challenge us, JMU Crew, as a community Let's be a community where we can love and be patient with one another in our brokenness. Let's be people who, when we're faced with the sin and brokenness of this world, point each other to Christ and the hope that we have, that he is restoring and making all things new. Let me pray for us. Father, again, I thank you for this time. God, thank you for this passage. Thank you that you are a God who is both sovereign and loving. And not only that, that you are a God who entered into our pain, that you entered in, you didn't flee, but you loved us enough to to enter in, to humble yourself and take the punishment that we deserved. Thank you that you are um, able to sympathize with our weakness, Jesus. Thank you that we can run to you and that you are the God who is going to give us joy in the midst of our painful circumstances, and that you um, give us the ultimate joy of knowing that we will be with you in a place where there is no more sorrow, no more suffering one day. God, we love you, and thank you again for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in and listening. If you want to find out more information on what you heard, you can check out our website at jmucrew.com.